Hello and welcome to the Women Who Flourish podcast. My name is Alia and I'm an empowerment coach specializing in confidence and self-love. If really getting to know who you are, own who you are, and love who you are is something that's important to you, then this is definitely the show for you. I'm obsessed with helping women step into the next version of themselves so they can bring out the fire that's sitting inside of them, start taking aligned action, and become ready to receive so much abundance and success. Thank you for being here with me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's grow together. Hello, welcome everyone to today's episode. I am really, really excited about this one because we have a really wonderful and inspiring guest with us here today. And we're going to talk about the topic of letting go, something that's you know, really, really important if you are on this journey of self-love. So our guest today is Dr. Abir Fahim. So Abir is an assistant professor of English at Abu Dhabi Polytechnic in UAE. She has a master's degree in English Literary Studies and a PhD in American Literature. She is the author of the novel Her Seven Days in Bali and the founder of the inspirational platform Juliet Turns the Page, which now has over 147,000 followers. Abir has spoken at events hosted at Harvard and Oxford University and was a TEDx speaker in 2017. She is the mother of twin boys, Zachary and Zane, and is one of the founding members of our Women Who Flourish community. Welcome, Abir. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. I'm so, so happy to be here, Alia. Thank you so much. Honestly, it is an honor to be here. It really is. I'm so excited to get started. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Of course. Thank you for being here. And I've literally been buzzing for this all day, by the way. And you're our first guest on the platform. So it's it's really exciting. Thank you so much. No, it's very, very exciting. And like I said, it's, it's, so, it's so nice for us to have this discussion, to get to talk to each other about, you know, things like this, because we've known each other for a while, but in, di- in different circles, right? So it's kind of nice to have this, this kind of um, platform. So thank you so much. We have. So we go back, I think it, we first met in, was it 2018, I think? A yes. few months after I moved to UAE and Abu Dhabi. A few months after I had my twin boys. It was my first time out after having my twin boys. I'd spent all, it'd been a few months, no social, you know, I, I didn't go out. I didn't meet anybody, nothing like that. Not even my friends. I hadn't really gone out with my friends or anything. And I saw your meetup. And for some reason I was like, oh, I want to go meet her. <laughs> Very interesting. I looked up your work and I thought this is re- this sounds really interesting. And, you know, I hesitated at the beginning because I hadn't been doing anything social or anything like that. But then I went and I'm so glad I did because look at us now. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad you made that decision. Yeah. yeah. And hey, that's a great example, by the way, of, you know, this is you just saying yes to something like that. And look, you know, now we're still, you know, friends on this journey. We've been on this journey for a few years together now. And it's just like, imagine, you know, if we hadn't, if you hadn't decided to come that day, you know, so I love that you just, you know, said yes to yourself that day. It's a message to say, hey, yes to more of things that, you know, you're unsure about. Um, so yeah, it's about three, yeah. three years now. So a bit, tell us a little bit about you and your journey. So thank you very much for the introduction, first of all. And I think from the introduction, uh, the listeners probably can tell that I, I love literature. I'm very passionate about literature. Um, literature is a very big part of my life. I say it is my life in some ways. And um, when I was a child, when my mom, when they'd ask my mom to describe me, she'd quote the Beauty and the Beast lyrics um, from that opening scene in Beauty and the Beast with a dreamy, far-off look. 
and her nose stuck in a book. What a puzzle to the rest of us as well. That's how she described me. And, um, it was because I was literally always in my own dreamy, you know, dream world. Like that was a thing. Yeah. My mom was like, there she is. There she goes again. <laughs> you know, always my nose stuck in a book ever since I think my mom says it goes back to when I was like six, seven years old. Like I was always very passionate about literature. Um, fast forward many years, I made a decision in high school that I just wanted to dedicate the rest. Actually, earlier than that, from eight years old, I knew I was going to do something that relates to books. I wow. loved books. And then in high school, I decided I wanted to be a literature professor and just dedicate you know, my whole life to literature. And so that would be kind of part of a big part of my journey is literature, my love for it, but also my belief in how healing literature can be and how powerful and empowering words are words can be if used in the right way right and if, if we connect with them and, and if they resonate with us they can be very powerful so literature is yeah in that sense a, a huge part of my journey amazing so have you found that you know uh, literature has been healing for you at uh, various times in your journey I'll say yes, but also when I did my PhD, I did my PhD on a very a relatively dark subject, actually. So I did it on postmodern technology. And I, okay. I didn't expect, I went to England thinking that I was going to go, you know, sit in the gardens and, you know, do a PhD on like <laughs> on Jane Austen or something. You know, that was my, that was my idea. <laughs> you know? And then I got there and I realized, actually, you know, there was a lot of research going on on postmodern technology. And I've always been a person who challenges myself. And so I was like, OK, I read a postmodern book by an author called Don DeLillo. And it deals with basically our condition today, the uncertainty of our lives, the ambiguity, all of that. And so I can't say that that literature has always been inspiring in terms of content, because sometimes you read these books and you're like, oh, dear, this mm -hmm. is not you know, this is, yeah. this can be very difficult, but at the same time, it's inspiring in that it allows, it teaches you to embrace uncertainty, to appreciate ambiguity. That's what inspires me about literature, whether it's positive or negative, mm. it's the, the style, not just the content. Yeah. And that's something that we can apply to so many areas of our lives as well, isn't it? You know, being able to manage that uncertainty, deal with that uncertainty as well. Can I ask, why is writing important for you? I think here's where the writing itself is, is, is healing for me. So yeah. all my projects that I started, so the Juliet Turns the Page platform that you were talking about, I started it in a place, actually, when I started Juliet Turns the Page, I just felt like I wanted other people to feel like they're not alone. That was just that feeling because I know that everybody, including myself at some point, have experienced it. That doesn't mean you don't, like I have a very good support system in my case and I'm very fortunate for it. But there are moments in life where you just feel like, um, you know, stuck, or there's just something that you need, or you need inspiration. And so when I write, I usually write about things, not always about me necessarily, but a lot of times they're inspired by my own life. And when I write about them, it's, it's the journey itself is healing. To be able to write something is to be able to face it, right? <laughs> when you write, mm. when you write something, you're like, this is, this is me, you know, whether it's, whether I write about denial, or letting go, or mistakes or whatever it is. So yes, it's a journey of healing for me. And then I was surprised when I started and that, that was the whole thing. Juliet turns the page, literally Juliet, you know, turns the page. And I realized that a lot of women were like, oh, we love, we love this idea. We love, you know, we love the idea that we can turn the page with you, you know, yeah. <laughs> sort of where, where it came from. Yeah. 
That's amazing. And um, so you're essentially taking these women on this journey with you as well. Um, yes. And, you know, what you said about, you know, being alone, I, I love that, especially um, this because it's also something very, you know, close to me as well, which is why I'm all about, you know, bringing women together, building communities. It's because, you know, like you said, you know, you can very much have, you know, people that you have in your life who you love, absolutely, you know, your friends, your family, a good support system, maybe colleagues, but, you know, they the people around you might not necessarily be able to, you know, tell you what you kind of need to hear at that point. Or maybe the people around you haven't experienced what you've been through before. And so although you might have a great support system, I think, you know, being able to, you know, have these other kind of sources where you can reach out to right. that can right. support and, you in that time. And maybe they've experienced it, but they're not experiencing it now. Right. And it's, it's the, it's the idea of experience and with women who flourish, for example, you know, as I'm part of it, what I think is so beautiful about it is that, you know, you get every week when we meet, right. Or every couple of weeks, sorry, when we meet, you, you get stories of what's happening now in our lives, right. And connecting with women and what's happening now in their lives. It's very different from asking someone their advice, right. Mm -hmm. It's more connecting with someone's life, whatever they're, they're saying may resonate with you and it becomes a lot more real and makes you feel like you're really not alone. So I think that's the difference. Absolutely. Yes. It's in real time. So it's essentially like, let's, let's be on this journey together, you know, exactly. Yeah. And that, exactly. I think that's when you really feel supported as well, you know, um, and that, that's, that's really powerful. That's amazing. So I definitely feel inspired and, and touched by your words. And I think, you know, even just reading, you know, one line, and I've definitely felt this about um, the, the, the content you've written. It's like, you can read something and then it hits you and then you have to go back and read it again and again. You have to read it a few times because you're like, wow, you know, that really hit, you know, that really hit me. And that, that I think something that, you know, you, you can be at a place in your life going through something and you read something somewhere that someone's written and that can instantly give you a shift in perspective that can almost change your life really as well. I think, because if you have a different perspective on something that can really change so many things uh, as, as a result. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes, sometimes it's change and sometimes it's simply saying what others feel, but they can't actually express it in that way. I get messages every day from women who are like, your, po your, your writing is, it's me. It's like, you know me, you know, they say, it's like, it's like, you know me, you're, if I could write, I'd write that, you know, like, and I'm sure they could write, but I think what they're trying to say is if they were like poets or, you know, again, but like if they were writers or if they were, that that's what they would write, you know? And so um, that means a lot to me. So I think as well, it's sort of, again, sharing the journey. They feel like I'm writing what they're feeling right now. And I think this right now thing is very important. Um, and that's what's so beautiful about social media, right? Is, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of um, reservations about social media, but the one thing that it gives us is real time, which is really important as well. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes you quite unique on social media, doesn't it? The fact that you are an academic and you bridge this gap. I think that's one of the descriptions I've read about you is that you're a bridge that gaps between like the academic space and, you know, the, the real world. So, you know, talking to, you know, women, just everyday women like me, like you, like all the women, just, you know, we've been through these kind of experiences, you know, challenges, heartbreaks, insecurities. Exactly. You know, you're doing, you're writing it in a way that really kind of, you know, hits home and, and touches us. 
And, and, you know, it's really interesting that you say that because a lot of uh, people are critical of what they call Insta poetry. There's a lot of controversies about that. Uh And it's really interesting because I think that, you know, one thing, one message is for any academics or anyone who's out there who's worried about going on Instagram because a lot of the writing that I do, like I I even mentioned that um, before, that, you know, in my creative writing class, I haven't shared any of that on on online because it's very different right because i was given certain guidelines obviously i was i was you know i was encouraged to be creative but in a different way right so a lot of that writing i've never shared online but i do share and you know if they want to if they people will be like oh that's just insta poetry or some of it is at least or that's you know that's what they'll say about a lot of insta poets uh work but does it really matter what it is as long as it resonates with people uh, it doesn't matter if we call it poetry or not. So for me, I've had to like really, and I've had to have this conversation with myself. It's okay that I'm going online and not sharing what academics would expect me to share in terms of the poet, the poetry, you know, yeah. that I would share. But I'm keeping that for my academic circles, if yeah. you know. And what I'm sharing online is what resonates with the people that I love, the women that I love and respect and appreciate. And that's fine, you know. That's absolutely fine. Good for you. Um, I think, and first of all, it's awesome that you can wear the different hats as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hats. Yeah, a lot of hats. <laughs> but yeah, you wear the different hats, but also, you know, it just shows that you really, you know your audience, you know, you know your audience and you know how to speak to them. And you're just like, whatever, whether that means I'm an Insta poet or whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, label me what I, whatever you want to label me. I'm just speaking, you know, saying what I, what I want to say. Yeah. And that's so freeing. Once you tell yourself that, because at the beginning I was like, what, what am I? And I'm like, why do I have to define myself as an Insta poet or an academic? I'm just someone who shares, you know, my thoughts and my feelings in whatever form and women have, you know, it's resonated with women and that's all I should care about. And that's my message to anyone. If you're, if you're feeling, you know, like you're unsure or uncertain because you're worried about what people will think of you. I think as long as what you're doing comes from the heart and it, it has some, you know, some meaning, some substance, something you know, that people can relate to. And one of the things that I learned from the first person who ever coached me in the, in the social media field is, you know, he was saying, yes, it's, it's about you, but it's not just about you. It's about your audience, right? It's about what the audience is looking for. So, and not just in the salesy, what the audience looking for, but what they need. And once you speak to their heart, that's how they, they become interested in your work. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, this is something, you know, I'll, I'll share with you. When I when I write content, you know, especially if I'm, you know, giving talks and I'm writing the talk, for example, a presentation, I can find myself getting really in my head and I, I often face blocks with writing content. And then I have to just pause. And then I'm like, I actually say, Alia, just speak from the heart. And then I move away from my head into my heart. And I actually close my eyes. I, I think I could type with my eyes closed. <laughs> yeah, I think. And then I just start typing, you know, with my eyes closed and whatever comes from the heart. And yeah. yeah, you really feel the difference. You know, it's like, what, what is my heart saying? What do people need to hear? And then I think that's, you know, you, you feel the difference, right? It's a huge difference. And it, may, it takes the pressure off as well because you start to think, okay, maybe some people, it won't resonate with some people, or maybe some people will be critical, but those aren't the people you're writing for, you know, that's, or those aren't the people you're speaking to, you know, yeah. and that's fine. You're never going to be speaking to everybody, right? There's going to be some people who are not going to get your message or aren't going to be happy with it. And I think that's a lot of what the work that you do all year, right? It's about confidence, right? Again, it's, you know, it's, there's, there is no, you know, point in life where everybody's going to love you. Oh, yeah, that's what you say, right? And so it goes back to how you feel about yourself and your work. 
Um, and I think that's important. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I think that's, you know, one of the things that you can, you know, struggle with or face when you kind of enter the social media world, you know, it's like, Ooh, what will people think of me? And I want to be liked. And, but again, that's when you kind of, you have to move away from like, you have to remind right. yourself of why am I doing this in the first place? I'm not here to be liked. I'm here to, you know, serve a purpose. I'm here to make a difference. So it's just kind of reshifting, you know, the focus. Exactly. Exactly. So I'd love to know a bit, you know, more about your journey. So, you know, when we talk about women who flourish, you know, it's all about this the journey of growth. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, us flourishing and, and this journey, you know, it's not always smooth sailing, as we know. You know, I think anyone who tells you a journey is smooth sailing, they're, they're not being honest with you. You know, we all have challenges. We all face difficult times. Um, but it's really about how we, you know, bounce back from them. So, you know, have there been any challenges that you faced on your journey to get to where you are now? And, you know, how did you kind of navigate through them? Yeah, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, I think, let's start from when I was like, pretty much, I could say that I, I was born with a challenge in a way, <laughs> you could say, yeah. because and I think I've shared this with you before, Alia. So I was born with a minor deformity in my left hand. And um, basically, four of the fingers on my left hand are significantly shorter than they than they would be normally or what's what's seen as normal and um so from a very early age as a child I was well aware that there's something different about me and I know that we all feel that there's something different about us but when that difference is physical it's it's different <laughs> the feeling is different about it okay and so um and I think that you know I, I say that I think this is also part of what has has in has helped me throughout my life have empathy for and understand certain experiences that many maybe maybe other people wouldn't because when you have something that's different physically even if it doesn't really affect you every day or every second it's not a major thing um in my life but it's still different you've still seen people looking at it you've still uh seen other people's uh reactions to it and so um from a very early age you know i had to i had to sort of um face these challenges you know kids would make fun of me as a kid, you know, and that's something, you know, that I, uh, I know a couple of kids actually, you know, in face, when we first had Facebook, uh, when was it 2005? I got messages, I think it was 2005 or 2006. I got a couple of messages from kids who had bullied me and it bullied me in elementary school saying, we're so sorry. Like, wow. yeah, girl. Yeah. And honestly, by then I had forgotten about it. Mm. Honestly, I didn't even remember who they were. My mom had to remind me. <laughs> yeah. connected with me and so you know and this is my journey I think going from a place where this meant so much to me as a child to a place where when I'm old, I'm older and someone apologizes to me and I don't even remember who they were and not in a bad way actually I'm still in touch with these girls they're wonderful people okay they were just kids okay and so but to get to that point I think that's that's the journey right and so it was a, a long journey of trying to let go of other people what people thought of me letting go of the things that I thought, you know, for example, at a very early age, simple things like, oh, I can't wear a ring on my left finger. I'll never have it. When I'm married, I'll never wear a ring on my left finger. Mm -hmm. That was something that I knew from an early age, right? And I guess this kind of metaphorically speaks to the, a lot of the things like, I have to be married before I'm 30 and have kids, right? That's kind of the same thing. I have to wear a ring. And that was one of the things that I thought as well. I thought like when I was in my, you know, growing up, I was like, I, of course I'm going to have kids before I'm 30 and of course I'm going to be married before I'm, before I'm 30. Neither of those happened, right? Yeah. And the left and the ring on the left finger <laughs> left hand wasn't going to happen either, right? 
But again, those are just, those are images that, you know, the expectations that we put, why do I have to wear a ring on my left finger to be, to feel, you know, that I'm actually married, you know, I wear it on my right finger and I'm fine, right? Why do I have to get married before 30 if my journey doesn't take me, you know, I was doing my PhD until I'm 27, you know, traveled, you know, there was so much else going on. What makes me any less of a woman? Either way, wearing the the ring here or getting married after 30 or anything like that. And so I think that it's letting go. I had to learn to um, let go of, you know, these expectations that I had of myself and maybe expectations that I believed others had of me, which they didn't necessarily have all the time, but that I had. Um, So the challenge was letting go, even for me, from a very early age. Okay. So it's a a lesson that you've you've learned quite early on then, on your journey. Mm -hmm. And... um, from the story that you shared, I know you shared it recently in our group as well. It sounds like you, you know, developed a pretty empowering mindset from a pretty young age as well. Yeah, I mean, when you have to face all these things when you're only like five, six years old, I mean, you know, that's not when that's not when you're expected to be, you know, facing things like this. Um, but for me, I think different people to take different uh, routes. And I think I said as well in last time when we were talking about this, that my mom was a big supporter and really encouraged me not to feel sorry for myself, to like vent and to feel bad and to cry when I needed to, but not to take it as I feel sorry for myself, but more like, okay, this is what I have. What am I going to do with my life? How am I going to move forward? How am I going to grow? You know? And I think that's, you know, that's important. Um, Yeah. So that's a very big part of my journey as well. That's awesome. So really owning, owning who you are, owning all the, all all of you, all the parts of you. How would you say that's helped you moving into your adult life? Um, I think that, you know, it's really, sometimes I see like, you know, I think as I've grown older and and knowing that I have, I was able to face this as a child, there are a lot, I'm still, an, by the way, I'm still an overthinker. I still worry. It's not like I'm not, right? This is who I am. I'm an empath as well. So feelings everywhere. But at the same time, it's given me the feeling that I can overcome things that maybe otherwise I would have felt like I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go through things and I'll be like, ah, I went through something, you know, this has been my life, a big part of my life. If I can face it and grow and still, you know, succeed in so many areas, then maybe, then maybe whatever it is that's a challenge to me now isn't as big as it seems, you know? So I draw on that, that child, right? (laughs) Abir, the child who was just, you know, who tried so hard to, um, yeah, to just power through. So, yeah. There's a couple of things you mentioned. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, you're like, well, I still overthink at times, you know, I still can get in my way. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, we're human, right? And I think this is, this, this is something to just to kind of be, you know, um, just kind of come back to and know that, look, we're not perfect. We're not on this journey to strive to be perfect. You know, this isn't a destination. We're not trying to get to a certain stage. But, you know, as long as we're growing and, you know, even you said you have awareness, you know, and there's never this thing called perfect. We're going to be in this perfect place. But what really what when you know you've grown is when you have awareness of some of the things you're doing you have awareness of how you're getting in your own way and you can make the choice you know to think do I want to continue doing this do I want to continue getting in my own way or you know now that I know what I'm doing what is it that I can do instead you know now that I have the awareness that I didn't have maybe a few years ago and you also mentioned about um you know drawing back on previous you know situations in the past and it's, it's almost like, you know, it's reminding yourself that you have the skill of, you know, resilience. Like I've dealt with challenges in the past 
I've, I've, I've built that muscle. I've developed that skill. And so I know that I can use it again in the future. So I think you know, exactly. you're sharing that. And the whole, the whole idea with like Juliet turns the page, just to comment on what you're saying is this, like what I try to get women to realize is that even letting go or moving on or growing, it doesn't mean that everything from the past is gone. Letting go, there's no line between the past and the present, you know, as you move forward, there will always be something from the past that you can learn from and also traces that will sometimes make you sad, you know, there's, you know, and so when I think about Juliet turns the page, I think a lot of people think, oh, turning the page is starting a completely new chapter. But when you read a book, you never really start a completely new chapter. You still have the, the story that you've been reading, right? Yeah. Um, there's been like, so if you're on chapter four, there were three chapters. Where have those gone? You haven't forgotten about them, right? Yeah. So you're turning the page, yes, but you're not ending anything. There are no endings and beginnings. There's, there's a continuity, right? And it's what you do with the past. It's not necessarily the past is gone, but it's what you do with it as you move on right? Um, whether you take it as inspiration or it makes you sad or you, that, that's what we need to talk about. But it's not really that there's like, this has ended and this has begun. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. You know what I mean? Oh wow, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so we can just erase it with an eraser. Like, okay. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like um, reframing how we look at a new chapter. It's not like a new chapter from completely zero and nothing. It's like, okay, drawing on that past, what I've been through. And now that I've, you know, this person now, you know, having gone through that, what can I do now? You know, now that exactly. I love that reframing. Yes. Yeah. And now that I'm essentially, you know, stronger and, and braver. And now that I know what I didn't know before, you know, now that I have this new knowledge and new awareness, what can I create now in this new chapter? Exactly. Exactly. I love reframing. That's a, that's a great way of looking at it. Exactly. It's just reframing what was there. So, you know, we want to talk about letting go today. Um, why do you think that sometimes we find it so hard to let go? All right. So I talk a lot about women because, well, I'm a woman and I talk a lot about, you know, that's mostly what I've been writing about. And I write about it from mainly from two places, from one from my personal experience as a woman and two from my love for literature and my study of literature. And um, so that's where it comes from. So one of the things I think there's a lot of things that hold us back from letting go, but I think no letting go can happen if we're in denial. So the first thing that I think is really important if you want to let go of something is to realize that it's time to let go of it. And oftentimes we do know that we need to let go of it. And it could, and by the way, a lot of people feel, think that letting go, when, when I talk about letting go, because I do talk a lot about letting go in certain contexts, but letting go can be of a person. It could be of a place, a thing, an idea that you have of yourself, mm-hmm. even a dream. Maybe you've reframed, like you're saying, that dream. Maybe you've taken a different direction, you know? So that's what letting go is about. And I think so denial is, is that, and I wrote something, I just want to read it for you because, because oh, you asked that question. It's about denial. And this is one, when I posted this, a lot of women sent me in a message and they were like, ouch. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, this one you. So deep, <laughs> this one's called denial. Deep inside, you know what to do. Denial guards the truth from the rest of you. So you walk the earth, a woman made of two one who's found her path and one without a clue. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think, you know, I think that deep inside you do know what to do. Most of the time we do, but you know, we denial sort of guards the truth from us. And so we, as women, you know, when we're in that denial stage, we walk, you know, we walk the earth made of two, right? One who's found her path because inside, you know what your path is and one without a clue. 
you know, I had no, yeah. And so I got messages from a lot of women who were like, I don't know what to say, but that's exactly, you know, and it, that was good. I was like, good. If you can see that, that's good. If you're actually in a good place, if, if that actually the reaction was like, you know, whoa, <laughs> are yeah. you talking to me or a wake up call or something, then that's, you know, so that denial, I think. Um, so that was the first, that's the first thing I think you have to overcome in order to be able to let go is be like, I think you, yeah, you kind of <laughs> hit people with the hard truth right there. They were like, no, this is not what I wanted to read today. <laughs> and they, don't, they weren't used to reading this from me. But at some point, you know, I love my followers and my readers so much. But at some point, you kind of need to tell them, you know, okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know? kind of tough love. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's the denial. So like you said, we... It, and I really feel that, you know, it's, it's like an extra weight really as well, you know, yeah. we're carrying yeah. an extra weight by holding on to something that we don't want to let go of. And when we're denying it, it's not getting rid of it. It's still there. The weight is still on us. And the reason we can't let go usually is because that thing is broken. We like things to be fixed, right? Whether it's a broken, um, you know, uh, something that didn't go the way you expected it to, or you left someplace, it could even be like you left a place and it wasn't the ending that you thought, or it could be anything. It could be a relationship. It could be, you know, whatever it is, but we're, we like to have things fixed, right? We like to fix things. So it's very hard for us to leave things behind that are broken. And so one of the things that I also, you know, wrote one, one of the followers, one of the readers had asked me, you know, but this is broken. I really want to fix it. And then I'll move on and then I'll move on. Right. And so I wrote this when she said that to me, I wrote, you wrap your fingers around what was lost, but darling, how can you clasp the air? Some things are best left behind broken and beyond repair. And yeah. so it's this idea of like, you know, just leave it broken. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Leave it broken and then you can let go, you know? And of course, there's also the need for closure. And that's something that I talk about a lot. In my yes, book. we're yeah. going to come to. Yeah, yeah. This, this is something you talked about in her seven days of Bali as well, which, by the way, is um, a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, for those of you who haven't read it yet, um, I would definitely say, you know, if you're on this journey of, well, for anyone, really, it's a powerful book. Actually, I'll, actually, I'll say to Abir, you know, can you just tell us a little bit about um, her seven days in Bali, actually? Yeah. So in 2017, I went to Bali for seven days and um, I was on my own journey, uh, different from the main character. So this is, it's a fiction story. Yeah. But when I reached Bali, one of the things I decided, because I was writing in a journal, that I was going to dare myself to do one thing I was afraid of every day. That's where it started. So every day I would write down something that, you know, there are different things. I'm very scared of geckos. And in <laughs> In the book, the main character is very scared yes, of geckos, yeah. so that was very much inspired by, yeah. by my actual, yeah, that actually, that scene was actually me very much, <laughs> um, that, that fear of the gecko while doing yoga. Um, so yeah, so, so there were things that were inspired by my own fears, and, and you know, at the, end, I, at the end, I had these seven days, every day a dare, and then I thought, okay, what am I going to do with this, you know, and I'm a writer, so I wanted to write a book. And so I wrote a book about Lara, who uh, basically married for six years, but then her husband literally just walks in the door one day and he just says, you know what, I'm not in love with you anymore, and um, admits to having an affair, basically, and wants a divorce. So they're married, and he wants a divorce, and there's no, she has no choice. It's that, you know. And then she goes, and they're supposed to be going on their uh, sixth wedding anniversary to Bali, and so he's like, you could go ahead. Um, you could still go, you know, to Bali. And um, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> booked. Honeymoon suite is booked. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so she puts a post up on Facebook and she basically asks for someone to go along with her. And that's where the story, you know, that's where the story begins. And um, I can just, I can read you the first few lines of the story if you want. Just yeah, to get please. And um, it was interesting because the first two words are thank you. And then I got a lot of women telling me their stories about thank you. And um, mm -hmm. I never thought that would resonate so much, but I'll tell you about that in a while. So this is how the, the book starts. Thank you. Two simple words she never wanted to hear again. He said thank you after six years of marriage and leaving her for another woman. He walked into their house one evening and said he didn't love her anymore. It was so matter of fact, as if he were ordering a pizza. A pepperoni, yes, please. Extra olives, thank you. And I got, I posted this on Facebook, and Juliet turns the page and said, is anyone interested? And I hadn't finished the book, you know, with, with this book. Yeah, I started writing watching it as you were going along. Yeah. yeah, and I'd written the first chapter and I just posted that. And I remember I was at Oxford at the time and I just thought no one's going to even care about this, you know? And then I look back and all these women are like, please, can I read the book? Can I read the book along no with way. you? Incredible journey, Alia. Honestly, wow. women were reading it with me like every couple of weeks. And then I stopped when I got pregnant and they still remembered. I mean, that was nine months. I couldn't write. I, you know, I, I, I nine you months know, writing the book. Oh, no way. Right. I couldn't share anymore. When I returned, they continued reading. It was incredible. And that's again, it just shows you how powerful um, this support from other women and they, they really did support me when I returned I thought no one was gonna remember who I was, you know, because I stopped social media for like six months or something and um, Yeah, so that's the book and the book is I call it sort of like a Self-help fiction, you know if that I don't know if you know, that's a genre that I think you know that I'm interested in It's not like this is what you should do, but it's you know, it talks about my ideas. What what does healing mean? What does closure mean? And closure is something that is, you know, tricky. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as you, I think reading it, it's um, like you said, it, it was, it really is a, is a book about yeah, healing and self-compassion and self-love, but through the eyes of this woman, Lara, you know, it's her own journey. And I love the way you did it. It's not like, like you said, it's not kind of a how to do, like a to do of, but you learn so much of how to heal on your own journey. And I think the main character as well is so relatable. I think probably every woman has been in a similar situation, you know, where we've you know, found it hard to let go of something or we've gotten stuck in our own head or we found it hard to be, you know, present in our lives or, you know, accept a certain situation. Um, and so, yeah, one of, the one, one of the topics I wanted to sort of touch on as well, because it's a big theme in the book, was closure. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this need that we have for closure you know, sometimes we can obsess over it. And I think this is one of the hard, one of the reasons why we find it hard sometimes to let go is because we, we feel that we need to have closure. And, you know, how important really is closure? This, what we perceive to be closure. You know, I think that we can say that, you know, one of the things that I learned, I'm going to talk about myself personally. One of the things that I learned is that I misunderstood closure for a very long time, right? For a long time, I thought that closure was something, you know, it's either getting an answer or, you know, getting back at someone for doing, you know, if they've done something to you, it could even, it could be anyone, right? It's like, okay, now I want to see them regretting what they've done or, I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we have these, you know, yeah. you, you know, I consider myself to be a kinder person, but of course, you know, as people, we sometimes at particular stages in our lives, we think, you know, are they ever going to regret what they've said to us? Are they ever going to regret what they've done to us? Right. And so we think we give the power of closure to them, right? 
to the person, to the place, to the thing, to the idea. And we think that, I, I think this is where literature comes in. All great literary works aren't the works that, you know, of course there's Disney and, you know, there's like the books like, sorry, the fairy tales, et cetera. And those are beautiful. But as you get older, um, you realize that it, life is, you know, plot isn't like beginning, middle and end. That's not how it works. It's yeah. ambiguity, uncertainty, you know, things don't go according to this chronological order. You know, you don't just have a happily ever after. Yeah. And so, you know, it doesn't work like that, you know? And so one of the things that I, you know, that I wrote, that I wrote, and this was like one of the most quoted uh, things that I've ever written. It was like shared like many, many, many times. And I wrote, and it was also in the book. I said, closure never comes from the one who betrays you. Closure is a decision you make to move on, even when you know you will never have all the answers. And that to me is closure. You decide, right? I'm going to move on without the answers. I don't think closure in that sense is important in the sense of getting the answers necessarily, because there will always be more questions. Yeah. No matter what answers you get. Definitely. And, you know, you don't know if the answers you get are even the real answers. No, you, know, you, you don't. Might- Try to go to someone for these so-called answers and they might not give you the truth. So, you know, yeah. And like you said, when you're looking for closure, you're giving away your power. You're deciding that I can't let go of this until I, you know, receive this kind of closure. You're giving away your power. You're not deciding how you live your life. You're waiting. And and you could wait for months, years for this closure. You could be sitting and wait on you for, for years. Exactly. Exactly. And you've wasted all that time. And you know, it's human. We do it. It's not like I'm, you know, I've, we've all done it probably. Oh yeah. I've but you know, it's, but if you're asking me, like, I think it's, it's getting to the point where, you know, you're like, okay, closure is letting go. Yeah. That's what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And also I think, um, you know, a lot of people think, okay, if I let go, is it okay if I, you know, think about the past sometimes, or is it okay if I'm feeling down? Of course, you know, it's not letting go. Doesn't mean it's completely gone. Yeah, you know, it's it, things will still come back. There'll still be traces, you know. And that's why I think you know accepting where you are on the journey is so important as well. Um, you know, you know, letting go doesn't mean faking it. It doesn't mean pretending that you're okay and, and pushing it to the side and saying, "Oh, I'm fine now." You know, next chapter. You know, you can't rush the chapters, right? You can't just quickly go into the next one. It's you being like, "Okay," and I've done this in my own journey. I'm like okay, you know what? I'm really not in a good place right now. I'm just going to accept the fact that I'm in this space and I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to get through it and feel whatever I need to feel. And I know that by doing that, I heal faster. Like I always heal faster yes. by, by yes. feeling and getting at everything I need to. If you try yes. to pretend or push it away, suppress it, it will just creep up on you, you know, in other ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's something that, you know, again, is very important because you could just, you know, you could pretend that everything's okay, but when it's not okay, you know, it will hit you. And I think it will, you know, in, t- in times that you never expect it to. So you'll be doing something and think, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then, you know, yeah. so it's, in my, I mean, it works differently for different people, but for me as well, I'm very similar to you. It's been better to feel what I need to feel. And I also think that we need to give permission to people to feel how they feel or women to, you know, instead of saying, oh, you're too weak, or, you know, just be happy, or just, you know, forget it. I think that there's, there's this, there's a transitional phase that a lot of us have to go through. Definitely. Yeah. And not apologizing, you know, so many of, you know, um, the sessions I have, my clients 
apologize for crying. And I'm like, no, like we should embrace this, like feel it. This is good. You know, this is good. It means you're feeling what you need to feel. You need to go through this. Like, I think definitely as women, I don't, it's not, you know, great for us to power through everything and pretend it's okay. You know, it's not healing for us at all. We need to feel whatever we need to feel. Exactly. Exactly. That's part of it. Um, so, okay. That was amazing. So I, am going to kind of finish off with uh, a couple of questions there. So on the topic of self-love, um, I have a question for you and that is what do you love about yourself? Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think now <laughs> this is the tricky part. <laughs> I should have known Alia was going to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't prepare you for I this should've... one, <laughs> obviously. Um, I'm just going to be completely honest because I did not prepare for this. But I think that although I struggle sometimes with being an empath and feeling too much, I do love it. I love that about myself as well because it's allowed me to be. It's allowed me to be a storyteller. It's allowed me to connect with other people's stories. It's allowed me to, um, yeah, a lot. It's just, you know, being an empath has been both a challenge, but also something at the same time that I do love about myself because I understand that it comes from a good place. It doesn't come from, you know, a place of weakness. So I would say being an empath, you know, more than anything else um, has allowed me also to be creative and to be open with people. And um, yeah, so I, I, you know, it's strange for me to actually say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some of your videos. You've spoken about the kind of struggles and, and challenges of being an empath as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's, I also realize that it's part, you know, it's part of who I am and it's, yeah. it's what make perhaps what makes me writer and all of that as well. I love that. Okay, so what you love is that you're an empath. And my next question is, what are you proud of? What am I proud of? Um... That's a good question again. Yeah, I'm putting you um, on the spot <laughs> deliberately. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so what am I proud of? All right, I guess when I say what am I proud of, I'm proud of the, I don't want to say the fact, but maybe it is a fact that although I have struggled um, on like any other person has, right? I've struggled. I've, I've been, you know, at times I felt like, okay, this is never going to work or I'm never going to achieve the thing. You know, you know, I've always taken on very big tasks, like my PhD, you know, being on my own in England. Um, you know, when I first got there, I didn't really know anybody. I stayed there for years away from my family. It's always been, you know, the, and I chose the most difficult, one of the most difficult topics you could write a PhD on ever. Um, okay. Yeah. So it was really, really difficult. Like yeah, people in literature right there. Yeah. Right. So I think that I'm proud that I do challenge myself. Um, although at the time I I'll be like, oh, why did I do this to myself? I'll cry. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, you're so stupid. <laughs> you're so silly, you know, but later I realize, you know, that actually it's, it's, you know, challenging myself is something that I'm proud of because it does, you know, I look back and I'm like, yeah, I'm proud of that PhD, right? I'm proud of that topic. So I guess I'm proud of the fact that I do always challenge myself. Great. And um, great that you're owning it as well. I think really as women, we need to be, uh, which is why I didn't tell you I was going to ask you those two questions, by the way, because um, it always makes people, women, uncomfortable. So I deliberately... <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't on the list. Um, but you know, because yeah, I think, you know, as women, we should be, you know, shouting about this more, you know, whenever I ask someone, oh, you know, what aren't you happy with about yourself? Or, you know, they're just like, okay, well, number one, number two, number three. And then it's like, okay, what do you love about yourself? 
And it's like, um, can you give me a minute? Can you give me five minutes? You know? So right. I think we should be able to, it should roll off the tongue, you know, as, as right. just be like, Hey, I'm proud of this. This is what I love, you know, as easy as it is to be like, Oh, this is the challenges I, the challenge I face. And this is what I don't like about myself. Right. Right. Absolutely. No, I definitely experienced that here, Alia. <laughs> Thank you for that. Lesson learned, Alia. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and great that you're, you know, you're embracing the challenges as well. And obviously it's helped you so much and, and got you to, to where you are now as well. Um, so this has been awesome. I mean, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Um, anything else you'd like to say? Um, well, I I just want to share one last quote I think because I think a lot of uh a lot of women sort of feel that when they're in a in a in a place that's difficult or when they're thinking of the past that that means that they're not on the right track. So I just wanted to read a piece called No Longer Right for You and I I wrote um there will be times when you'll miss moments from your past. Moments that belong to a life that was no longer right for you. That doesn't mean you made the wrong decision to walk away. It just means that despite those good moments, you were brave enough to leave it all behind. And so one of the things that I think the message here is, you know, the past isn't all bad. There are things that we leave behind and we're going to miss them and there'll be good things about them. Whether it's a place and you're like, I'm done. I want to go live some, somewhere new. You know, I want to travel from this place to that place or I want to do this. You know, every place, every, you know, most people, maybe not every experience, you know, everything has some beauty to it, you know, and you're going to miss that. And the fact that you're thinking about it doesn't mean you failed. It just means you're brave to leave it behind. So. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And it's, I think, almost, also being able to look back at, you know, moments like that. And I think being grateful that they happened, you know, being grateful yes. that we were able to experience moments like that as well. Um, and, you know, just knowing that, you know, just because it was a part of our past, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's meant to be a part of our future, but it's meant to stay with us. Exactly. So exactly. it's really kind of, yeah, embracing that that was a part of our, like you said before, one of our chapters and being grateful and then just kind of being able to, you know, as you said, let go. So, yeah. oh, thank you so much for that last one. That was lovely. And thank you for being here as well. It's been a really wonderful conversation with you. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Alia. It is an honor to be the first person invited <laughs> on, your, on your podcast. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Alia. Thank you so Thank much. You. So, you know, if um, our listeners here, um, you know, want to connect with you, they want to get in touch and you know, follow you, how can they do that? I think the easiest way is on Instagram. So it's Dr. Abir Fahim on Instagram. I check my DMs very regularly. So I'd be happy. I usually respond to as many people as I can. So yeah, I'd be happy to connect. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Abir. Thank you so much, Alia. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified when each episode is released. And if you have any friends or family who you know would really benefit from this episode, then do share it with them too. If this episode resonated with you in any way, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes to share your feedback. To delve even deeper into building your confidence and self-love, or if you'd like to join our amazing Women Who Flourish community, head over to my website where you can find all the details on how to become a member, as well as videos and my social media handles. I hang out on Instagram a lot, so if you have any questions or if you'd like to share any thoughts on any of the episodes, feel free to drop me a message there on coach underscore Alia. See you on the next episode.